Okay, hello, and welcome to the Lazy Cinephile Podcast, where we love movies, but we're not dicks about it. I'm May, that's Luke. Bully-ba-doo. And like, look, we you had the idea of the Star Trek theme, that's fitting, because James Horner did the theme for Star Trek Next Generation, who did the theme for Avatar, the movie we're covering today, but... I did the theme for the one he didn't do, the original <laughs> series. So, yeah. well, Star Trek has blue people. In that, Star Trek, so. Yeah, yeah, it's mm-hmm. some, some, some. Yeah, yeah, but um, yeah. So we uh, we, yeah. we 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 two people we like movies, and we we, do, we, we gonna we try to cover a movie every week or a topic, normally a movie. This week was Avatar. Um, we're gonna do full spoiler talk on that. So make sure to see Avatar if you're the one human being out there that hasn't seen Avatar. Um, uh-huh. ch- catch it on Disney Plus. And if you're the one human being that hasn't seen Avatar, you've at least have Disney Plus. I feel like those things don't, <laughs> those outliers don't overlap. So um, yeah, give it a, give it a good old shot. It's the it's the most successful film of all time, written and directed by James yeah. Cameron. It was mm-hmm. at one point usurped by Avengers Endgame, then again usurped by Avatar after a Chinese re-release. After Avengers Endgame got its got its bump from its re-release to beat Avatar. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. So yeah, after that we're gonna do a horror film and rom-com recommendation. Um, me being the horror fan, Luke over there being the rom-com fan. Yay. After that we're gonna do some lazy talk where we talk about whatever we want. So yeah, that 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 cover it all. We, we hope you have fun. We uh have a full spoiler talk about Avatar here um yeah. yeah avatar full spoilers three two one go mm-hmm. uh so the tree my... get the tree gets burnt uh blue people have sex in it and uh yeah that's yeah. it that's the conversation thank you all for coming wow yeah <laughs> <laughs> the amount of research i did um no uh <laughs> so uh james cameron yeah james cameron uh, uh wrote and directed this film it was his first film since 1997 with titanic which yeah. was the highest grossing film of all time up to the point where he made avatar in 2009 so he made two times in a row the highest grossing film ever made mm-hmm literally the only filmmaker that could ever have said that it is a monumental achievement this man you you have to respect the grind on him. <laughs> he's an absolute insane person mm-hmm. um yeah so i think it's worth at first i feel like everyone that is listening to this podcast is aware with generally what avatar is and all that mm-hmm. i think it's worth talking about our relationship to this movie when did you first see it what have you thought about it what is a like, what has been your relationship to this film leading up to now? Okay. Yeah. Uh. Well, I saw this. I did not see this in theaters when it first came out in the one of the spectacular one, 3D. The, the, one, the one person. <laughs> uh-huh. I saw it later in life. It was, like, I was, like, high school or whatever when I when I first saw it. And on a screen at home. So, you know, I so think that's... it was on my Kindle. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, could be wrong, but uh, yeah, that was my experience, uh, and I had a lot of hype about it. But uh, just remember how big it was. Uh, yeah, uh, it's interesting to see it now, having been separated from it and whatever. Yeah, because the hype has uh, absolutely died down. We'll get to that, but yeah. So, mm-hmm. what you, what you, what was your opinion of it back then? Did you like it? Did you hate it? Did you love it? Did you think it was meh? I kind of thought it was meh. I was not. Uh, too impressed with with the story <laughs> mm-hmm. uh yeah. and uh i mean i was i mean i liked the visual effects and uh that's kind of where that went <laughs> uh, uh, yeah uh, and, and you only seen it once up until now yep oh okay and so i'm assuming you didn't really think about it much past then uh not really seemingly what happened with most people 
Um, mm-hmm. A similar thing happened to me, I except I had the first step of watching it in theaters in 2009 in glorious 3D. It was insane. It was one of the most crazy theater experiences of my life. It truly was like a gravity-like thing where everyone was talking about, you got to go see this in the biggest screen possible with the best sound system. I saw it in IMAX 3D, and it was this huge thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was awesome. Yeah, I mean, James Cameron, he knows how to make a theater experience. It's it's undeniably special seeing a James Cameron movie in the theater. I, I even saw a re-release of Terminator 2 in the theater one time. Wow. And it was absolutely insane. It was awesome. It was Damn. awesome. Mm-hmm. And I, I forever hold that experience very, very deep in my heart. But, um, Aww. yeah, so I watched it then. And uh, I definitely, because I was a kid at the time, I coasted off that hype for a while. I seen it a few times on home media. Um, mm. Me and my dad watched it together a lot, just on DVD. But then uh, it kind of just faded away. And, uh, yeah, and then pretty much I, I might have watched it once or twice in between until now when... um. Of course, that once or twice in between helped me kind of level out a bit, separate it a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mediated a lo- mediated since then, but then again, that once or twice in between was during the time where I was uh, very pretentious with my film opinions, and I didn't really trust anything <laughs> that I believed back then. Everything needed to be um, high art or just some kind of amazing creative genius for me to like it, you know? Yeah. I mean, granted, like, I think James Cameron is that at his best. Uh-huh. But um, this is not James Cameron's best. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, the collective consciousness of this film pretty much began began and ended with its theatrical release. Okay, uh, with a no- a worthy well, side note afterward. Um, yeah, this mo- big uh, DVD release or whatever. Right, it was a huge one. So mm-hmm. everyone loved this movie. It was basically the greatest movie of all time when it came out. It was a phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Worthy worthy of note though, the highest grossing film of all time did not have a weekend that broke over a hundred million dollars. No. Um, but it, it stayed in theaters and consistently made money was what happened to it. Ah, it it okay. had, it was just, it had such staying power. It made, um, it had such staying power. People were seeing it in such droves. Word of mouth is what basically made it succeed that to resulting in now movie theater tickets being more expensive permanently because of it what yeah movie tickets weren't as expensive before this movie and now they are permanently set at the prices they are because of avatar because of how many people were coming out in droves week after week after week after week after week coming Mm -hmm. and seeing this movie it was the first movie to ever cross two billion dollars eventually cross 2.5 billion dollars wow it is an absolute insane like success story this film Mm -hmm. um and it's been in james cameron's mind since before titanic came out really yes he the original idea when he first conceptualized this he thought he'd have it ready for release in 1999 Mm -hmm. and then but the special effects at the time with the technology they had it was the estimated budget for what it might have been was 400 million dollars of that that era's money which Mm -hmm. is which is like practically saying a movie having like 700 million dollars now as a budget it's unheard of it's it doesn't happen (laughs) <laughs> so it, 400 million doesn't really happen now so mm-hmm. it's 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 absolute insanity so they shelled it for like eight years then they eventually picked it back up and from pre-production to release that was about four years wow so okay. yeah it was a it was a long process to get this movie made and that's why it took it, it was 1997 2009 james cameron didn't make anything in between then he was he had a fairly consistent output output before titanic like he had 
the two Terminator films, he had The Abyss, he had True Lies. Like, it takes a lot for James Cameron to sign on to something, but it mm-hmm. it didn't take, like, over 10 years <laughs> between, yeah. between movies, you know? Like, that's that's unprecedented, you know? Especially mm-hmm. for, like, a blockbuster filmmaker. Like, yeah. if, a, if a musician did that, we'd assume they died, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's a, it's a weird, weird story, but, um, it, it, it was very critically acclaimed. The home release came out. There was the the mega success with that, but then also the then very gradual but very noticeable and ongoing backlash towards the film for being um, called derivative and uh, just overall incredibly unoriginal, very bland main characters. There's a lot of critiques thrown at this film. Some of them I agree with, some of them I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them I can agree with, but I get the purpose behind them. There's a lot of a lot of stuff but um yeah so it's a very weird movie to be the number one greatest like in terms of money greatest film of all time mm-hmm. like it it <laughs> it's it, it's very odd there was a whole campaign when avengers endgame was like like going for it the like like we got to get this movie over avatar come on avatars number one we got to get avengers endgame over avatar and i was kind of part of that campaign i saw avengers endgame more times than i normally would have just uh-huh. to get it over Avatar. I wouldn't do that now because I'm not self-righteous and I don't care about multi-billion dollar corporations battling each other. Uh-huh. <laughs> but it was a uh, it was a huge thing. This movie seems to only really come up in film discussion now if they're talking about high-grossing films. Uh-huh. People flat out don't talk about this movie anymore. It has pretty much been... It has succumbed to the movie discussion ether... Yeah. to um be brought out back again dug up by us here <laughs> uh-huh. so um yeah it's it's very interesting the film itself follows uh, a man named jake sully um he was a former marine he was injured at some point uh foresha- uh, not foreshadowed um implied to be in venezuela at one point he was mm-hmm. he was injured um in action and he lost the he lost control of both of his legs but after his scientist brother died, who was going to go to the science fiction world of Pandora, mm-hmm. um, he he takes his place because his specific his brother's specific genetic code was needed to do a thing up on Pandora. So he takes his place, and the thing he was supposed to do on Pandora was to link with this mm-hmm. avatar body, which is which is very very similar to the native population on Pandora in the hopes to learn more about them for and uh, to learn more about them basically. And whoever is giving him orders at the time will, de- will determine whatever reasons he's doing that. Mm-hmm. That's the basic plot of the movie. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, how, how did it fare on this watch? We just, we just turned it off. We have all this stuff around this movie. There was so much hype. There was so much everything, but now we've separated it. This is just a movie. It's just a movie on just a screen. It is just as important as <laughs> samurai cop, or, yeah. or like I don't know. I'm just looking. What's a random movie? Uh, as 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 Hellboy 2019. Of course. It's, it's yeah. just, <laughs> um. What what? It, so how does James Cameron's Avatar hold up to you now? What is it? What what is it? <laughs> it's a movie. But what like how how is it for you? I liked it more now. I yeah. I uh, I really appreciate the visual experience a lot more this time. Even though, you know, I liked it before, but there was a lot more beauty I found in it versus just being like, oh, it's special effects. Right. But, uh, and how it, like, that, the purpose that had in the story and stuff. I appreciate stuff about the story more this time, which I hadn't before. Same. Uh, 
Yeah, I'm not still. I'm not like in love with this movie. I'm still not. But uh, you yeah, know. <laughs> <laughs> I think there are some huge things making it holding it back. Mm-hmm. I don't think that it's the der- derivative. I know me and you have had a, this conversation a million times before, but like something being derivative on its own is not mm-hmm. a thing to like just call a flaw. If it, I feel like because like a lot of people say this movie just dances with wolves. Pocahontas. It's like uh... right. The whole like James Cameron got the inspiration for this movie after watching Pocahontas. Oh really? Yes. Okay. It's like and it's it's I I don't think this movie tries to hide that. Like you know, Pocahontas based on history. Uh, <laughs> right. And, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's like in this movie isn't history based at all. Anyway, <laughs> um, I I do think though that like this this story is a very archetypical story. I feel like at this point, calling this movie derivative would be like calling the hero's journey derivative. Like this kind of story is so regular. Like get over it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We've seen yeah. a million stories before this, like this. We've seen a million stories like since this movie like this get over it <laughs> like uh-huh. i i think it doing like ju- just blanketly saying this movie's derivative as your criticism is kind of a i don't want to say like lazy but it just feels not very well thought out mm-hmm. and uh well i mean of course like if you're just random joe Schmo on the street and you're like ah, i didn't like that i feel like i've seen it before fair play whatever <laughs> doesn't matter we're talking about a movie but um mm-hmm. yeah i feel like to like actually think about it yeah the derivative aspect of this film people talking about it being that formula i feel like when i looked more about james cameron it it hit a lot more true to me because james cameron throughout his life has always been fascinated with like the discovery of nature and all that there's this one video i saw on youtube that really striked me and really helped me understand where he was coming from making these films it was uh for the for the um it was for the um uh the the campaign trail basically for dune the advertisement advertising for dune and uh, it was Denis Villeneuve and James Cameron talking about, it was that director on director series for Variety. And they were talking about their respective films. And mm-hmm. they both came from a very similar place in the way that they were trying to create their pieces of art from Avatar to Dune. It was James Cameron said that the whole idea behind Avatar, everything that he puts into it is around what he considers his like central like being. It's a, very spiritual experience for him he doesn't consider himself spiritual but Mm -hmm. he he thinks that he is like one with nature like nature is his god as he i think put himself Mm -hmm. and he finds such beauty and awe and all of that and that's the and this is essentially his his love letter his ode to nature but also the exposing of the people who try to destroy it Mm -hmm. you know and i i think really like just hearing him say that, that that's what his heart is in making this, that feels seeing this movie feels like a very pure expression of that mm-hmm. to me. And I think I can appreciate that uh, a lot more in, in this context more mm-hmm. as the, as hoping that it's the greatest movie of all time because it's the highest grossing film of all time. Eh, not really, but <laughs> I think it makes sense why James Cameron like is really continue on like a, like four sequels after this. Cause clearly this is like, going to the heart of what creatively he is most like, I don't know, connected to. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I get it. I feel like that, that I feel like that's what people are noticing in the deriv- derivative nature. Maybe that'll help people forgive it if they know that. Mm-hmm. Cause like, I mean, I don't know. It's like, I'm okay if it's a little derivative cause it is, I'm not going to say it's not. <laughs> if mm-hmm. it like, is just the story that speaks the most true to him. Also, he's not going to do the same movie again next time. 
So like, it's interesting. Let's see what kind of like ways he reinforces that those ideas the next movies. You know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I feel like that aspect of this is actually quite meaningful. The um, Pocahontas uh, dances with wolves, uh, Fern Gully uh, style story. Fern Gully. Never heard of Fern Gully. No. <laughs> it's an animated film that came out in the nineties. Oh, is it animated? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. There's like a big uh, gas monster in it. Okay. Yeah, he's like, yo, I'm, 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 I'm consumerism in a factory or whatever, and I'm gonna destroy your forest, you weird red fairy. She's like, mm-hmm. oh no, and then the gas is like, yo, you, you suck, and I'm destroying it. it sucks, and she's like, oh man, mm-hmm. that really sucks. I don't remember how it ends. <laughs> <laughs> You've seen it? Uh, a long time ago, a very, very, very long time ago, like over, like probably over 13 years ago, I saw that. <laughs> Mm-hmm. like way too long ago to really like remember a lot of it but mm-hmm. but yeah it, there are a million movies like this so yeah i don't know that's smart how the nature part was put into it and like uh it just made everything so beautiful they can't help but be drawn into like the world and stuff and really have a love for it like the the culture there does yeah the navi yeah yeah so like when it eventually gets destroyed you feel the pain they feel yeah it's tragic man it's mm-hmm. really harrowing when that tree gets blown to shit. Mm-hmm. It, it is heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Like, like I mean, yeah, like James Cameron, he still has that real good knack for like just knowing how to make you feel what he wants you to feel, whatever given time, mm-hmm. and it being organic within the structure of the story. Yeah, like like he he's a master filmmaker. Like everyone, don't take this man for granted. He's real. <laughs> he's really good. He's genuinely fantastic. But um, yeah, it's a he he mm-hmm. he tells the he tells the script that is here, the best mm-hmm. he can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I mean, we have the elephant in the room here. Let's talk about the script. <laughs> uh, the worst part of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, what what do you think specifically is what brings this movie down for you? Uh, I I don't know how to put a finger on it, but for- there's just not a lot to grab onto. Right. I guess besides the visuals and stuff, like uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of meaning through theme, through mm-hmm. journey. There is practically nothing to latch onto through character. Mm-hmm. Like the character does represent the journey being do- being told. He is yeah. very intentionally of a, a nothing main character. Yeah, like, I, I mean, they, I, I they, like that. I I like Jake and yeah, he's kind of the audience guy kind of at first because. He's experiencing the world with us and right. stuff. He he literally mentions that he's empty. Yeah. And he also yeah. feels a wonder as well, especially since he doesn't have legs and so like right. he's working ones and like going around and stuff. And that's cool. Well uh, I while I, I do agree with everything you said, I feel like he is what makes this movie bad. Yeah. Not bad. It's he's what brings it down. He is he is the main flaw of this movie because there are there are two kinds of ways you can do like audience surrogates. Uh-huh this is the wrong way because like, I feel like an audience surrogate should only be an audience surrogate because the movie puts you into that frame, into that frame so well. Mm -hmm. So like, in my opinion, a good audience surrogate is like the bride from kill bill. We covered kill bill last week. Uh We don't know anything about her. We know literally nothing, Mm -hmm. but the movie puts us in her place so well that we love to follow her. Mm-hmm. Like on a genuine level, like while I understand he will be, like if 
like the main character like if jake sully like like dies in the next one the opening scene is like a cool reversal i will not feel anything Mm -hmm. you know like i don't really feel connected to him i only feel like in his place Uh uh-huh it's like and if like maybe the movie's trying like the movie's trying like a gimmick like hardcore henry that could work yeah it's clear a lot of the the work in this film and detail and stuff was done into the world of pandora yeah and absolutely. not into the, the the humans i mean or even really the natives themselves yeah like natiri <laughs> like like what do you know about natiri uh you know she's really uh she does stand out in her clan because she can like hunt and ride birds and you know and stuff. Uh, uh, that was more like romantic because no, like no, no, they yeah. he like you know she she taught him and stuff and then you know whatever. But <laughs> yeah, it's like she she is like one of the more like seemingly generally well rounded members of the of mm-hmm. the clan. But like yeah, on genuine characteristic like like you like she's spunky. She's kind of uh fed up i guess <laughs> in, in terms yeah of... <laughs> well like, yeah it's like you don't know and like sam worthington's character like jake sully like mm-hmm. you know that he's like there's not much left for him yeah after that but like you know like when we experience tragedy in our lives and we're, we feel empty you know we don't lose every aspect of personality uh-huh. which is which is the general idea this movie goes for but like he says that like we can't they say to him like we you cannot fill a cup that is already full and he says oh my cup is empty trust me the movie proves that is true mm-hmm. but like his cup was empty and like now he just has a different like decorated cup seemingly <laughs> that's how i feel <laughs> it's like i don't know anything about him i don't like like i can see the joy in the moment or the feel in the moment but i only ever feel anything in the moment for him Mm. there's not like an overarching human being presence there like like which i mean i guess so i I still understand why they did the movie the way they did and i feel there's definitely room later to like to like really expand his character and develop it there's yeah there's a lot of love for uh nature and culture but not for humanity necessarily absolutely which could feed into it because like you know you don't want to make the the white people too like uh you know sympathetic i guess <laughs> i don't mind do well, i don't mind the way they portray like stephen lang's character for example i think mm-hmm. he's perfect yeah he's this horrible no good very bad man <laughs> that's like i'm gonna kill everybody and i don't care if it brings me that profit yeah uh-huh. giovanni rubisi's out here literally talking about unobtainium the stupidest fr- Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> but um mm-hmm. yeah it's uh, it's really weird and i feel like the the character the plot isn't what what's bad about this movie the characters the characters just make it to where it doesn't have much staying power like i think i heard scott derrickson say something this is one of the greatest pieces of advice i've ever heard writing wise he said people go to the movie for your spectacle people go to the next movie for your characters Uh uh-huh and like, I don't know if Avatar two will be as big as big of a knockout success as the, as this one was, unless he like makes the same kind of like giant like experience in the theater type hubbalu about the whole thing again. Yeah. <laughs> but like, if if it's like Avatar again in terms of like not not mm-hmm. making anything like huge and revolutionary we've never seen before, 
I don't think this the next one will have that like real phenomenon like idea behind it that this one did mm-hmm. or three or four or five <laughs> <laughs> maybe if i don't focus on new characters i don't know yeah i like there was like a rumor that like arnold schwarzenegger might be in one of the sequels at some point that he'll be like the like like a, a navi antagonist oh yeah it's like i don't know what he's doing uh he he's He's pushing a lot of technology forward with the sequels. Like, he invented a whole, like, new camera. A whole new technology where he can simulate the world in camera. So, like, he can... He made it to where you can, like, look through the camera and see the digital world as laid out and plan the shots that way. Hmm. And it's not just a bunch of people standing in the blue or green screen room. Just assuming what's going to happen later. Like, no, he can... You can already pre-render the entire environment and and put it into his camera somehow. I don't know exactly how it works, obviously. But then he can like look through the camera and see the digital world like as if he was walking through it in the camera. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. And so that's how he's making all of these movies. And like apparently some of the footage he's capturing is gonna be near the bottom of Mariana's trench. Really? Yeah, the deepest place in, on earth. I already know he's visited there before he even started making these movies, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Like, he's a big underwater dude. Like, yeah. The Abyss was a big thing for him. <laughs> that was an mm-hmm. underwater movie he made. I but, think uh, he did a, a National Geographic documentary or something. Yeah, probably, yeah. <laughs> but he's a big nature guy. He, the, being one with nature is a huge thing in this movie and seemingly his life. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he's definitely pushing it forward for the next movies. I just don't know if that... It it's up to um, just seeing it when it comes out to if that will show up on screen. Mm-hmm. It's like sometimes you'll get the magic of like Tom Cruise doing those stunts in real life, like say Rogue Nation when he's hanging on that plane. Sometimes mm-hmm. you just won't when he's like in 2017's The Mummy when he's doing the stunt for real when he's inside that plane as it's going in free fall. Mm-hmm. And you just kind of, it just doesn't really seem to matter. Like that, that same, he's, it's a, literally the same technique, but just the presentation and the way that it happens just makes it to where it doesn't feel the same. Yeah. So it'll, it's all to be foreseen. <laughs> um, there's a lot of meat to this story. Mm-hmm. A lot. So, um, how, how, um, I, this time I pretty much really saw this as like a big political allegory. No political. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's. I mean, obviously, I the main thing that I can very clearly see him aiming for here is being one with nature and how that's you. That's how you can achieve achieve true life is mm-hmm. to become one with your environment, and nature, and culture, and all that, and uh-huh. like industrialism, military industrial complex, complex imperialism, all that is what impedes that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But I I do think that there is a very anti-imperialist. I don't want to say anti-American, but anti thing anti-things that america is very known for doing because <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. like i'm sorry we did we genocided all the freaking native americans that were here obviously there are natives that are still here but like mm-hmm. we we killed so many of them and then said just just said it's ours and then said here's a, a cro- here's a crop of land we'll put all you on it and then ignore you <laughs> and that's still happening today yeah it's horrible uh like <laughs> Like, Manifest Destiny is not something that we should be proud of as a nation. Mm-hmm. It's like, and even like more modern stuff of like even Vietnam, of us yeah. just going to a random place and just deciding that we had domain there and then 
Obviously, yeah, we lost know. there, but I think with this movie, he's saying we haven't moved past it and stuff. That we're like kind of ignoring it and stuff. Oh, because absolutely. Because he is he set this in the future. Yeah. And stuff where it, we're still having the same cycle of we want to be imperial and conquer and whatever, you know. Absolutely. If there were more lands on Earth that were still like unconquered, we'd be probably still doing it. Uh, honestly, <laughs> we just stopped because we ran out. And because now we all have nuclear weapons. <laughs> that's okay. That's true. Yeah. Because like, I feel like if we didn't yeah. have like world-ending weapons at our disposal at all times, like yeah. either Russia or us would have killed each other by now. Isn't it implied that the Earth is dying in this movie? Is yeah. Is the end or something? Yeah. He, he mentioned at one point that there's no green left there. Mm-hmm. So that there's a... That they're trying to take the green away from here and that we have to fight them. To fight them back. We have to send them back where they came from. They, they killed... They killed their mother. Don't let them kill ours. Uh, okay. Something like that. He that's in the final prayer to Awa before the final battle. So it's saying Earth is gonna die now. <laughs> I think it's saying that like that like unless uh humanity that maybe like you know takes a takes a good old notice and doesn't constantly look to destroy other other people's beauty mm-hmm. to help them um we're gonna we are gonna die yeah which I think is true. <laughs> where yeah. if we don't like constantly just look for either some miracle to happen we need to all we need to all collectively as a society like fucking buckle our seatbelts and get to it and fixing this earth because it's the only one we got right now there's no pandora uh-huh. we, can't, we can't just go there and genocide a bunch of natives <laughs> mm-hmm. you know which you know, hopefully <laughs> hopefully we wouldn't do but i think this movie takes a stance is that we would yeah and we would as a society if there was an easy option like this we would mm-hmm. yeah it's the unfortunate reality yeah and uh i think it's uh it, it has that very somber idea to it mm-hmm. that I, I think resonates quite heavily with me and i think is that the the political allegory stuff that we were just talking about and the nature stuff that came directly from james cameron's heart clearly is mm-hmm. what attracts me to these movies yeah yeah and i i will definitely see the next one yeah i'm definitely interested in what james cameron does next and if it's gonna be four avatar sequels and so be it yep yeah. i mean and also he's known for writing great sequels that's true like, like that's kind of his thing right is that it, like everyone like is this like i mean there is a debate but like it's generally accepted aliens is better than alien mm-hmm Granted, he didn't make Alien, but he did make Terminator, and it's generally accepted Terminator 2 is better than Terminator. Yeah. That's not true. <laughs> <laughs> but I... Mm-hmm. That also does make me worry, though, because I do think in both cases, the sequels that he made kind of wrote that franchise into a corner. Mm-hmm. In Terminator's case, the formula that he established and continued with there is forever casting a shadow over everything that came after yeah we are with the terminator sequels just constantly applauding very mild separations from that formula with aliens everyone is constantly wondering where's the queen where's the queen (laughs) you know Mm. he established a lore that was so specific that he that there is very little room for more creative output or Mm -hmm. so so yeah it's i hope the same thing doesn't happen with avatar yeah, I'm I'm interested as to what the story could come up with and that would be like a long for movie thing. And like it, think, I hope it's not just like a 
here's this part of Pandora in this movie, and here's this in this next one. Right. I, I yeah. was yeah, I was going to ask, do you think it's going to be like a part one, part two, part three, part four story situation? It sounds like it. Why would he be making them all at the same time then? Because the studio said, oh my God, you made the biggest movie of all time. Do what you want, James Cameron. <laughs> and he was like, okay. <laughs> Gosh, I have a and billion dollars now. Yeah. <laughs> I have a billion dollars now. I can do what I want. <laughs> well, I mean, hey, at least we know he's not going to just cash it in. He's already proved that, I feel. Mm-hmm. He's been working on it this long. I remember when when this movie came out in 2009, he was already talking about, yeah, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I've been working on it. Mm-hmm. So, like, if he wanted to cash the check, like, we would have already gotten four by now. We've gotten five and seven by now. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. like with the way that franchises work nowadays you go in and if you're not going you did mm-hmm. so clearly he is very uh key to make the best movie he can mm-hmm. and i believe that that was the case here with the 2009 one and yeah i, I i'm proud of you james good job jimmy mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm proud of you yeah but yeah um it's just such an interesting thing do you think that this movie like let's say the avatar two three four five let's say they're great mm-hmm. do you think people will look back at this movie more fondly maybe <laughs> i'd say no <laughs> because like because like you know i think a people love to separate things <laughs> mm-hmm. especially if he's making like one continuous story here Mm-hmm. maybe like i think if that's the case two three four and five are like one continuous story mm-hmm. this could be viewed as like a necessary prologue before the real story i suppose so yeah i think people would love to do that <laughs> but then mm-hmm. again if those movies integrate this film like in its story into those i could also see the opposite happening like him putting extra meaning into it yeah i could see that happening it just depends on how James Cameron wants to go because he's never been given like this long form of a thing before. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested. Um, yeah. It's all such a wild world for these because the, these movies obviously don't follow the regular Hollywood franchise rules by how they're made, by the way that the studio seems to be putting pressure on Cameron mm-hmm. or everything. Like this seems to just kind of be this weird outlier that Cameron is just being allowed to make these like billion dollar movies mm-hmm. it's like i think it was estimated that like all the avatar sequels combined in budget will like easily make over a billion dollars damn yeah so and like he's already got two and three completely filmed and done four is happening right now and five's on the way mm-hmm. so once these start coming out they won't stop <laughs> and yeah. like he had to like separate the writing of all the sequels and the multiple people and yeah and he had and he oversaw all of it and there was like this whole thing all the new technology he was doing like mm-hmm. everyone's saying this is gonna be like the biggest thing of all time <laughs> damn okay and then again james cameron doesn't not do phenomenon movies yeah pretty much like i mean he has his movies that are like generally like lesser talked about than others like true lies or the abyss or something like that yeah prawn too yeah or prawn too <laughs> <laughs> but people flock to his stuff mm-hmm. regardless like the abyss successful um the abyss successful true lies successful the terminator terminator 2 very successful aliens su- oh my god titanic 
this movie. It's like, I'm, the man doesn't make stuff that people don't go see. Mm-hmm. I, <laughs> I just hope he knows what he's doing. I know he's working hard at what he's doing. I just yeah. hope that this isn't like a giant swing and a miss because I yeah. want to really hope love these movies. hope it's not a Fantastic Beast is what you're saying. Right. That You know what? That is precisely correct. I don't want this to turn into another Fantastic Beasts. Mm-hmm. You know, J.K. Rowling, she's written a bunch of good stuff. She yeah. has. But now she's writing screenplays. And you know <laughs> what? Um, First one's all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that second one was... Uh-huh. <laughs> I like to like things. I like to forgive movies that are lesser in franchises that I love. And I'd say I love the whole Wizarding World stuff. I do not like Crimes of Grindelwald, Luke. I do not like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That being said... I don't like that movie, but... Yeah. That's a writer, and this is a director-writer. Mm-hmm. This guy has a little bit more control. I, I still feel like even in those... In the Fantastic Beasts example, David Yates, the director since Order of the Phoenix of every Wizarding World film, mm-hmm. is consistently good. He's the best part of those Fantastic Beast movies. Mm-hmm. His direction and his and the way he integrates the special effects and the way that he like puts his films together. And we know, like, there is no way James Cameron is just gonna suddenly lose his genius filmmaking like prowess mm-hmm. for the next Avatar sequels. Yeah. Obviously the man only thinks about going up in terms of the way that he presents his stuff. Right. <laughs> so at the very least, like at the very least, it'll be a swing. I just hope, I just hope it doesn't miss. I, I'm more hopeful for this than the Secrets of Dumbledore. <laughs> uh-huh. I'll still watch both of them. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? I'm hopeful. I am hopeful. Come on, Secrets of Dumbledore. Jude Law's so good. <laughs> yeah. Eddie Redmayne. Eddie a Redmayne. Lot of good people. And he's great. He's uh, great. Mads Mikkelsen's in it now. He's so good. Yeah. Join. No, he's gone. He's right. gone. Matt Mickelson is playing Grindelwald now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. It's like like that whole situation was a mess, mm-hmm. and like, I, I believe it was like I I did not keep track of that whole situation, but like if by what I've heard the final like, like findings of that were Johnny Depp was in no way the wrong side of all that that happened. Okay. But they were just caught up in the whole hoopla of that and just fired him. I see. I well, see. that is immensely unjust. If that is the case. I have very little. I'm completely ignorant and will admit that yeah. on this specific issue. If Amber Heard is, in fact, the abuser here, fuck her. <laughs> um, yeah. But that being said, I think from the start, Mads Mikkelsen was a better pick for Grindelwald than Johnny Depp was. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, anyway, back to Avatar, the movie we're on topic, May. <laughs> what? All right. What? Yeah. Um, But let's talk about the world. Uh, The best part mm-hmm. of this movie, the world, Pandora. Mm-hmm. I remember um, I was so entranced with it that um, I that for one of my I don't remember what class it was, but we had to like had to like design a theme park for one class that had to like have like all these different elements to it, and I designed it off of Pandora. That's interesting because now, I'm, I'm going to sue Disney Disney, huh? Disney World or whatever has a yeah precisely a Avatar thing. So. Yeah, so I mean it it it's it's magnificent. Mm-hmm. I have one small gripe with with and this is so individual to me okay i think i'm the only human being that noticed this and Mm -hmm. i looked it up to make sure it's true and it is okay almost every animal sound in this movie is a recycled dinosaur sound from the first jurassic park film what (laughs) why i don't know 
But like, like during that chase scene when like when Jake is being chased by that like giant freaking like weird like apex predator not horse big mouth thing, it roars like the T Rex multiple times. It's directly the same sound. They barely try to hide it. Yeah. Like those dogs at the big at the those dogs like they do those weird like raptor noises that like thing that like the raptors do in the kitchen uh-huh. they the, like it is so apparent to me because i've seen jurassic park way too many times mm-hmm. like when i watch this movie now every time i hear that sound it gets me so out of the freaking movie mm-hmm. i don't know why they did that you put so much effort into the visuals of this but the audio of the world is occasionally mega well done but then mm-hmm. every now and then there's just a, a dinosaur from jurassic park uh-huh. more often than not <laughs> Yeah, it's it's it it it's so distracting. <laughs> Man, the audio. I really like the score going with the world and stuff. James like Horner, the freaking choir and stuff, was like making it all seem ethereal or like kind of holy. In a it, way. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's uh, excellent. James Horner did say this is the biggest, the biggest challenge of his entire career. James Horner, as we mentioned, did the oh. did the Star Trek theme. He did a million other things that I oh, wrote yeah. that I wrote down here. Uh, da, 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 da. Yeah, I'm horny for James Horner. Absolutely, <laughs> he did. Uh, he did the Titanic theme. He did Aliens, but he also did like the Amazing Spider-Man theme, which is a good Spider-Man theme. People don't talk about it, but the Amazing Spider-Man Spider-Man theme is very good. Um, but yeah, he said that he um that it was so like it took over his life so much that he worked on this for he worked on the score for this for a year and a half, four a.m. to ten p.m. every day. Wow. Yeah, he like labored over the music in this film and i feel like it comes across the music is excellent in this movie mm-hmm. music is often excellent in james cameron movies but the music especially here this might be my favorite score that's ever been in any of his films oh, well, really? oh, oh crap sorry terminator terminator like, terminator, terminator, terminator. <laughs> i think it's better than the aliens aliens score not better than alien score but yeah. the alien score it's better than yeah. that I but, like um, the score in Titanic. But, I mean, you know. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, 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 I uh, sorry. I, I, I deeply apologize to Terminator and Terminator Two for my, <laughs> for my horrible, horrible sin that I committed <laughs> against you. But um, yeah, he, he, he really labored over this man. Mm-hmm. It was like such a long-term project for him, and he was going to do all the sequels, but then he um, unexpectedly died in a plane crash in 2015. Oh. Yeah. He's dead. Okay. Yep. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, no more um James Horner scores, which is um very sad. Rest in peace, James Horner. But uh yeah, it definitely you can feel the celebration of life mm-hmm. in his score. Like it, it feels so alive, it feels tribal, but together it feels so like wonderful and lively and wondrous. It has so much awe in it and beauty. It can be mm. tense, it can be fast, it can be slow and tender. There's so He knocks it out of the park. Mm. Not a single track in this is a miss. Yeah. I actually did listen yeah. to a little bit of the score on its own. Sweet. While doing some research for this. Yeah. It's it's freaking excellent, dude. Mm-hmm. It's awesome, man. Yeah. The world itself with all the colors and stuff and how lit up some of the stuff is. Yeah, the bioluminescence yeah. of it at night is incredible. Mm-hmm. And you know, I like how like the hair thing you connecting with all the nature is like a literal connection to it. Yeah, you know, it's on the know. nose, but it's it's I a mean, very yeah. easy way of connecting to the theme. Uh-huh. Like I mean, like I, I honestly I wouldn't have it in a more subtle way. I I like that it's a more like direct 
like you can connect into this network between the trees. It's a literal network. You can mm-hmm. download feelings and memories yeah. and all these ideas. It's it's so well thought out and so mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah, like the roots are like a brain to them. It's like, or it has more information in the brain and stuff. Yeah, it's it's yeah. such like a crazy world, and all the all the organisms on on Pandora are excellent. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite touches, one of my favorite visual moments in all of film is in this movie. What's that? Uh, it's during the first bit in the night scene when he's going after Natiri and uh, all the all the seeds uh, of Awa go all over him. Yeah, exactly. That is one of the most beautiful scenes ever shot. Mm-hmm. Like, full stop. <laughs> it is so freaking beautiful. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I get why everyone after this movie was so sad they couldn't live on Pandora. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Even though it would eat you alive and you wouldn't be able to breathe. But, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just just get like an avatar. Yeah, you know. Just get an avatar. <laughs> One giant blue dude. But um Yeah, I love the uh I love the little plants that when you try to go near them, they go mm-hmm. like foom back in the ground. I think that's great. Yeah. And it's a great reveal of the weird like hammerhead shark bull thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another great I design. There's the that dragons. They have like that kind of chin, the red chin. Oh, or yeah. They're like giant yeah. like chicken dragons. Uh-huh. Yeah, they're, they're really cute and you know and the big they'd one, be homies too yeah and the big one that he gets is also excellent design oh yeah that one was awesome it looks huge it's excellent so like majestic as well mm-hmm. but e- even as like predatory as a lot of things here are like you it, the the majesty of all of it it's never lost yeah and yeah i like when they're going up to the floating mountains or whatever and there's that like the hallelujah grassy stones that are like or like they're going up there yeah yeah very good touch. And the, the like really thick vines that seem yeah. to be going in between them and all that. Yeah. And they have floating mountains. It's like putting it up in the air. It's like a spotlight and stuff. And, mm-hmm. You know, make it more majestic because it's in the clouds and stuff. So you know, yeah, it's wondrous, absolutely wondrous. Um, and yeah, mm-hmm. he created this entire world from scratch. Mm-hmm. Like, come on, <laughs> like the visual imagination here is genuinely unparalleled in live action film. Mm-hmm. It's it's so crazy that he managed to pull this off. It, yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, yeah, yeah it's <laughs> yeah, that's why I made so much money. It's because of the freaking world, right? Exactly. Yeah, and yeah, uh, no one wanted to leave it either. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Even when the tree was getting burned to the ground. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hooray for white people, everybody! Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, even like the small touches of like the the lizard that when you go near it, it like floats up and there's like weird like helicopter of light mm-hmm. and Natiri then walks through the bushes that Jake found that in there's like a lot of them that they all fly up and you can kind of like guide them with your hand if you put it in right spots it's mm-hmm. it's freaking excellent when you like walk on certain parts of ground at night it lights up a little bit there are some of those like mushroom things that you, if you touch they light up mm-hmm. it's freaking it's like in the like this the uh, tree of souls has that like it the uh, they're not really leaves but like those like drooping pink lines mm-hmm. they remind me of those like glowworms and caves yeah you know what i'm talking about i i think so yeah it's it, it looks fairly similar i imagine that that was some inspiration taken there mm-hmm. um yeah just such like a love for not just nature in general but earth's nature being put into pandora's environments it feels like a genuine real living ecosystem 
and world. Yeah. It is one of the most well-realized fictional worlds of all time. It's only been in one movie. Mm-hmm. And a video game. There's a video game? <laughs> yes. I played it for a bit. It was on the Wii. <laughs> oh, it was? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, I played it on the Wii. I imagine it was on other stuff, too, but... Yeah, right. it's okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. Definitely worse than the movie. <laughs> Damn. Anything else you wanted to point out? Oh, shoot. I was going to mention the world, but uh, nah, not really. <laughs> but Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a lot of movie, but I feel like one you can very easily talk about because ironically it being like the biggest thing of all time it's kind of dwindled into this one like weird little phenomenon that we can kind of examine you know mm-hmm. of course there's a lot of different little details we could talk about yeah the hair and the hair yeah the hair sex yeah <laughs> uh Sigourney weaver Sig- sigourney weaver. sigourney weaver. <laughs> yeah uh, you know <laughs> she's excellent as always love seeing her and james cameron stuff mm-hmm. um yeah stuff you want some trivia i got some trivia for you yeah, give me that trivia. Um, the Navi language was actually created for this film from scratch by a man named Paul R. Frommer. He created it with over 1,000 words. He created over 1,000 words for it, for this movie. Nice, I'm assuming I'm assuming it's been expanded as well. And uh, a little fun fact for everyone out there, if you create a fictional language, it is called a conlang. A conlang. Yeah, there Thing you go. Gone. Gone. There's a little trivia for you. Um, at the time of auditioning, Sam Worthington was living in his car, and he was asked to audition by phone. He wasn't told the director, the movie, or anything that it was. Oh, okay. So he thought it was just going to be a big old waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> but he went in anyway because he needed because he needed some kind of job, even if it paid him like fifty bucks or something. So he's like, "Screw it, I'll do it." And he ended up being in the highest gross, grossing movie of all time. Oh, so um, a big payout, I guess. <laughs> yes. Uh. Some of the CGI scenes in this were so dense at the time it took over 47 hours to render them. Great. <laughs> yep, it was insane. Um, because of Fox's worry about the film's financial... Um, before it was made, because Fox was very worried about its financial um, profit, They uh-huh. James Cameron wanted to quell all their fears because they were they remembered how in Titanic there was a lot of like delays, there was a lot of like going over over budget and production and stuff like that. So James Cameron said if this movie flopped that he'd forego his entire director's fee. Wow. Nice. <laughs> so he was that passionate about making this movie. Huh. Okay. Um it is the first completely digitally shot film to win Best Cinematography. Yeah. Ever of all time. What else was it nominated for? Like It was nominated for nine Oscars and won three the three at one were visual effects, obviously, uh-huh. cinematography, and art direction. Sweet. Um, let me pull up the page right now. Yeah, nominated for Best Picture? Yeah. Yes, it was, and I do have a little fun fact about that as well. Um, it was also nominated, but did not win for Best Picture, Best Directing, Best Film Editing, Best Score, Best Sound Mixing, Best Sound Editing. Okay. Um, no writing, no acting in there (laughs) uh which i'm assuming is some i didn't see anything about this but i'm assuming is some kind of first for the oscars no Uh, writing or acting also having a best picture nom mm -hmm. and just the amount of awards it has right exactly was nominated for uh, um it lost best picture of the year to the hurt locker right and best director to Catherine bigelow of the hurt locker (laughs) Mm mm-hmm 
in which both of those at both both James Cameron and Catherine Bigelow were um they were married at one point but they divorced before this and Catherine Bigelow won. <laughs> and James Cameron made the you know the biggest movie of all time and everything but she made she made a uh, a freaking masterpiece and uh kicked his ass. So good for you Catherine Bigelow. <laughs> <laughs> Catherine Bigelow is an excellent, excellent filmmaker, and if you aren't high on her stuff, watch more of it. You will be. Yeah, I need to see Heart Locker and Point Break. Yep, <laughs> Point Break. <laughs> those are somewhere movies, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, they're not. Anyone that has no idea what those two are, those are not the same at all. One of them is a very cheesy '90s movie. The other one is a very serious war drama. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jeremy Renner is excellent in that movie. Anyway, anyway, yeah, that's a. Uh, that's the main bit of mm-hmm. uh, trivia I got for you. There's uh, lots of other tiny little details everywhere, but I feel like those are the best ones worth mentioning. All right. All yeah. right. That been our conversation about Avatar? It sure has. So, yeah, um, please tell us what you think about Avatar. I would love to, I'd love to know, like, genuinely, like, how is this movie aged for you? Do you love this movie for its visual splendor? Is that enough? Do you think that the characters in this are great? Do you hate this movie with a fiery passion? Mm-hmm. What What do you feel like? Uh, there is a, a Gmail you can contact. Yeah. Right, right, right down below. Yeah. Right down below. Yeah, and yeah, if you like in light Shyamalan, then uh, God. <laughs> what? <laughs> what are you talking about? I was about? like Avatar: the Last Airbender. Like, if you like in light Shyamalan, yeah. Yeah, that was a dumb joke. It was a I'll dumb cut joke. Cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> um. Right. Yeah. So, uh, do we have a sponsor this week, Luke? I think we do, yeah. Okay, okay. yeah. Yeah, I got the script pulled up here. So, okay, uh, yeah, I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. Oh, good boy. Okay. <laughs> uh, I meant, yay. Okay. Yay! Yeah. We're getting money All for right. this, right? Totally. Yep. All right, cool. That's all I care about. I'll endorse whatever this is blindly. Tired of police brutality? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I spoke yeah. too soon. <laughs> You tired of all the people in blue hitting up the wazoo? And I don't mean the Avatar people like we talked about, mate. I mean these piece, the, those pieces of garbage wearing uniforms and patrolling the streets, breaking up our acapella gangs. We all need a piece to strike back. This is a very sensitive piece yeah. of material. A piece, a piece of what you ask? A piece of chicken, calming chicken that is. What are calming chicken? You won't even want to rebel against the system anymore. Plus, when it's this crispy and delicious, why would you want to? It comes in spicy ranch, nacho libre, and bumpy Nazarati. It's boneless and fried, just like you'll be when you're done eating our calming chicken. Calming chicken is for the people. So. Oh, so the, no, this seems like to me, Luke. <laughs> what this seems like... Like, you know, I, like, of course this corporation isn't self-aware, but if this was hy- hypothetically a fictional <laughs> a fictional piece of writing here, this sounds like a critique sure. of how a lot of corporations like to target the marginalized people. And they like to advertise to them as if they're one of them. But if anything, you're just exploiting them and, talk- and condescending to them mm-hmm. and generally making them more disenfranchised due, <laughs> due to their control and power and how they don't actually care about yeah. marginalized people yeah, downplaying the real issue yeah uh, you know say like the, that one pepsi ad <laughs> oh <know>? my god <laughs> <laughs> but yeah 
But hey, you know what? They gave us money for. They gave us money, which you know, you know what means we accepted it. <laughs> I will freely advertise this uh-huh. at all times. So thank you, Calming Chicken, was it? Yep. <laughs> Next time you make one of these ads, it should be about trans people. I'd be so excited to read it. Really? <laughs> <laughs> oh god. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But yeah, um, thanks to Calling Chicken for sponsoring the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> that was horrible. <laughs> I'd like to think longtime listeners of this would know that all the sponsors are jokes. <laughs> They're all jokes. Okay. <laughs> Saying uh, thanks to Calling Chicken. Oh <laughs> all right. <laughs> So, Luke, you're on a roll here, I feel. Uh-huh. So, so you should tell me about the rom-com you want to recommend. Yes, yeah, a rom-com horror movie of the week. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. The rom-com I'm going to recommend is a very special one. It's called Friends with Benefits. Now, showed to me by a friend who has given me benefits, but not including sex. But uh, just, uh, yeah. Oh. Uh-huh. I was about just to say, more I don't remember like it. kinsmanship, you know, love and whatever you know uh yeah whatever who cares about that we're talking about a movie here okay oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. anyway justin timberlake and yep. uh uh mila mi- kunis mi- mi- mia mila mila kunis uh-huh am i yeah black, black swan girl uh oh my god who's not... natalie portman yeah is it <laughs> dang it who oh he was a no strings attached right he was uh that's Natalie Portman. Yeah, exactly. So, and this is also like the same thing, you know, right? But anyway, what? anyway, Justin Timberlake was in a relationship with Emma Stone, uh-huh. and so they they break up, and yeah. you know, uh, Mia Kunis was. Oh my uh, god, <laughs> Mila Kunis. Mia Kunis. Not Mia. Mila. Melina. M- no. Melina. <laughs> <laughs> You're intentionally yeah. getting this wrong. Melania Trump. Melania Trump. Yeah. All right, so Justin Timberlake gets together with Melania Trump. Yeah, you know what? Maybe I should look up the character name, and maybe that. No, no, no. I'll look it up as you describe. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, she also broke up with a SNL guy. So Andy uh, Samberg. Yeah, and <laughs> so they're like, "All right, I can you tell know how passionate you are both, about this film." Uh, emotionally, I, I'm getting kind of caught up in the names. Okay. All right. <laughs> Justin, both... T- Justin Timberlake, Dylan, Mila Kunis, Jamie. Jamie. All right. Yes. Cool. All right, Justin Timberlake and Jamie. All right, uh, so they. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so they both have been feeling emotionally hurt by their past relationships, and like, all right, we're not going to do that anymore. But they also have their sexual needs, you know. And so when they be- get to know each other, they're they're like, oh, they learned us about each other, and they're like, oh, we should totally like do it, you know. But like, not any romantic feelings whatsoever, you know. And they're so, friends with benefits, you could say. Yeah, exactly. And it's glorious, you know. <laughs> it's hilarious. They're 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 having sex like they're friends, and you know what? That's great. You know, <laughs> they're like totally making fun of each other <laughs> while they're doing it. It's fucking insane. But uh, anyway, yeah. But then you know, as it turns out, you can't have friends with benefits without falling in love, according to this movie. So you know. <laughs> I think it's more in the specific case it's referring to. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. But they start having feelings, but they can't, you know, show it. And I was like, oh, that's really touching, you know. And you know, it's really funny and stuff, and it's R-rated as fuck, and that's great. So you know, uh, it's R-rated as fuck. You could fucking say fucker. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, you know, it's coming from the same director as uh, Easy A, you know. Easy A! Yeah, so he's good at directing comedy, and there are some really good stu- touches in here with that. Whether it's, like, something sexual, or it's, like, say, you know, a group uh, do- spontaneously doing a flash mob <laughs> and stuff, and how that factors into the plot. Or how, like, say, Woody Harrelson jumps off, like, the a ledge, and then, like, you look down, and it was on a boat. <laughs> yeah, and then... And then how that factors into the plot. <laughs> yeah, or how, like, uh, yeah, the Gag- magazine... Yeah, gags come back in this movie. Yeah, the magazine like had, like... I don't remember the article, but it was some, like, important social thing. And then, like, there were white jeans, how, like, stylish it is. And, like, he chose to put it over that one or something. I thought it was funny. But, uh, yeah, just... It had the emotions, it had the humor. It was top tier in terms of rom-com material. So, you know what? I recommend it to everyone. Awesome. Yeah, plus it's got the sex. So, it's you got know, the sex. If that's why you've been feeling like you've been missing from the rom-coms, then, you know, I think this will fill your needs. Or just have sex with someone in real life. No, you gotta see it with, like, the hotness of Justin Timberlake and uh, Jamie, so... Get a hotter boyfriend or girlfriend or, or um, they friend. <laughs> I don't know, that's a lot to ask, May. <laughs> No, not not hotter than not hotter than Mila Kunis, or Justin Timberlake, than just hotter than you got. All right, the sand. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <coughs> yeah. Uh, that I'm I'm glad you liked the movie I showed you, man. Mm-hmm. I knew I knew you'd like it. So. I knew you'd like it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I got a I got a horror movie. I have a few choices here. But yeah. I'm gonna do the one that I like the most. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. really? Okay. Yeah, I scream. I, I watched Scream, the new Scream movie. It was my most anticipated movie of the year. Scream is one of, if not my most, uh, Scream is my favorite. One of, if not my favorite franchise of all time. Mm-hmm. Movie franchise of all genres. Yeah, I adore it. It is my favorite thing in the world. I, I will hug it and kiss it, and I will shout I will, it out. I will yeah. shout it. I will shout it from the heavens that Scream is good. Scream is great. I love it. Wes Craven. So, there was a lot of stuff that um, could have gone wrong with this movie. Wes Craven wasn't back. Obviously, the late Wes Craven died 2015 from cancer. Unfortunately, rest in peace. You absolute legend. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and yeah, the Ready or Not guys took this. The Radio Silence took this one over. Still, though, how will this fit in? The legacy characters, how will they be treated now? Uh, Kevin Williamson didn't come back to write the script, who did 1, 2, and 4, who is the, pretty much at this point, generally agreed upon best Scream writer. Um, and yeah, I think this knocked it out of the park. I think this is as good as 4 and 1, my two other favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, it fulfilled every single thing I could have wanted it to do, and yeah, it, it just it was so satisfying. It was genuinely emotionally um, well done. I I cried. At one point, mm-hmm. I cried and was genuinely emotionally shook at one event during the film, and it does that. It has that same humor, has the same meta humor that the series is known for. It does it in a perfect way. It does it better than some other Scream movies do. Oh. Um, looking at you three. Uh, wow. <laughs> hey, man. It's it's not three's fault. <laughs> mm-hmm. that, mo- that movie has some brilliant meta stuff in it. But some of the meta stuff is a little bit... Let's, 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 anyway. Okay. Anyway. Anyway. Um, it's funny. It has genuinely good characters that I would enjoy watching outside of a horror film. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a really meaningful story as well, as um, these movies aren't given enough credit for. I don't really hear people talking about this a lot. The Scream movies tell often quite meaningful stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, it is buried um, for a lot of people under the meta-ness and the horrorness and all that. But um, this one didn't forget, and I thought it was immensely intelligent, clearly a labor of love from the Radio Silence team to Wes Craven and his creative output. At the very end, right after the final shot, it says in the scream font for Wes, and that felt so real. It didn't feel like it was. It didn't feel like it was a sequel because they could have made it, and you know what? We're gonna do it and then just put a tribute to Wes because that'll make people happy. You know, it felt like these filmmakers made this movie for Wes Craven to honor him and his legacy. Yeah. And it was very meaningful and incredibly touching. And I almost cried when I saw that. Mm. So, yeah, yeah, it was a it was a beautiful experience watching it. Very satisfying, mm. incredibly well cast, suspenseful, violent in a great way, incredibly well directed, well shot, um, great acting mm-hmm. all around. Just just excellent stuff luke it yeah. was it, it was my most anticipated movie of the year so far and i gave it a five out of five so yeah nice. um definitely i mean you know if you're a screen fan go ahead and give it a shot i mean you'll, you'll probably like it <laughs> um but even if you're not a big fan of the series i think you might like this one more than the others Sweet. so so yeah um but if you're the kind of person that wants me to recommend a horror movie that isn't being advertised mercilessly i will give a quick shout out to henry portrait of a serial killer here Mm-hmm. It is the 1986 film where Michael Rooker got known for, and I say known is in more in retrospect because he wasn't like a big star after this movie. He was always kind of a character actor until really just kind of modern day. I don't think he was ever like a a name really. His biggest role is still Yondu, absolutely. Yeah. But um, this is a immensely immensely messed up movie. Definitely check DoesTheDogDie.com for um triggers for this one because there are a lot in this movie and uh. It's a notoriously very messed up movie. I didn't know that until right around the time of watching it. I just knew Michael Rooker was good in it. Uh-huh. And he plays a serial killer. Mm-hmm. So how fucked up it was really took me off guard. <laughs> and it is very messed up. Not exploitatively so. In fact, I think this is probably some of the least exploitative um, serial killer material I've ever seen on film. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I feel like filmmakers should really look at this one as how to do it right. It is not a perfect film, but the things it does right, it does way more right than a lot of movies that are classics for doing these things right. Okay. So, okay. I definitely high recommend on that. You can watch it on Shutter. Sweet. Sweet. Give it a shot, everyone. Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, 1986, directed by John McNaughton, who directed Wild Things, ironically. Oh, Wild like, Things. Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer isn't a very exploitative film, but that is literally known for being an exploitative film. Oh, really? Yep. Okay. I have no idea what Wild Things is about. But... I don't either. Well, I, I know what it's about, but like, it, it's not worth going into here. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, but yeah, uh, definitely give Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer uh, a shot. It's it's sure. a it's an, it. it's an yeah. 80s gem that does not at all feel like an 80s movie. It's an 80s movie? 86. What? I didn't know that. Yep, I thought that was like 2000s. No, 86. And okay. it does not at all feel like one. Oh boy, does it not feel like one. <laughs> This movie, in terms of maturity and the type of like neorealism it presents, feels like it could be made this decade. Other than Michael Rooker looking very young. 
<laughs> okay. And the cameras very, very clearly being even granted, this was also true for the time. The cameras that they're shooting with being very clearly shitty cameras. Hmm. Okay. Okay. You mean like, like camcorders or something? Uh, it was very clearly made in like, like made with like a camera that you could like buy in a department store at the time. It like went like 28 days later with it. Yes. Huh. That's a very good comparison. Okay. okay. It has a very like grainy and like ugh, look to it. Hmm. Okay. Okay. I'm definitely interested in it. It's I great. Wanna... It's great. It's a great movie. It's a great portrait of a serial killer box. All right. A serial box. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Let's head into some lazy talk where we talk about nothing and everything. Whatever. Sweet. All right. You you said yeah, you then. had something in mind. Yeah, I did. <laughs> what do you got in mind, Luke? Yeah, I got, uh, yeah, here, let me uh, remember exactly the title of this, but, uh, right. Panic at Malibu Pier. All right. What? Which is the Baywatch pilot TV movie <laughs> that uh... came out, an hour, 35 minute TV movie. That was the first episode, technically. I would like everyone to know <laughs> the reason that Luke watched this. No. <laughs> Oh, really? Is this not the case? <laughs> Is what I'm about to say not the case? <laughs> that, like, I watched it because Friends recommended <laughs> No, you watched it because they say it on Friends a lot. The only thing they say about it on Friends is that it's a bunch of women running in slow motion with the tits bouncing. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, that was David totally... is in it, right? Was, uh, he is in it, yeah. yeah. Like him? Yeah, I like him. I, uh, yeah, I was expecting this to be a bunch of jiggly, whatever, and uh, and I, I was disappointed. So uh, wow. I wasn't expecting, you know, a soapy drama, okay? So, you know. <laughs> this seems like an innuendo, Luke. A soapy drama. Really? Like, like a, is like... soap really sexy? Like, I don't know. But... Is it, is it... <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? We're going to move on past that. It's <laughs> okay, okay. Talk about Baywatch <laughs> for some reason. Yeah, so this is a show about lifeguards uh-huh. uh and uh and, and this 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 pilot uh uh-huh. they they they, where, they say this where is this set? it's set in uh California. Okay. Uh the sandy beaches of California. Yep. Mhm. Probably LA, but I don't know that for don't, sure. Uh, I, don't, yeah. I don't remember. All California's the same. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah they'd be saving some peeps and you know what david Househoff, he's uh he's like the new lieutenant he's a new kid on the block and he's like like t- over the beach and stuff and there's like this dude there who's like vaguely australian or something and <laughs> he's like the rival younger guy and you know and there's a part where they like save you know some peeps but instead the, the australian guy goes after instead of going after the two kids that are drowning he goes after the hot babe that's drowning and so uh, David Hasselhoff yells at him for it and stuff. All right. And that's a that's a whole thing and 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 that thing. Uh, yeah, they they had a really eight was was this eighties? This was nineties. No, it was eighty nine. Uh, and you know had that eighties synth, you know, really vibe with the beach stuff. You know, there was like a montage of running in it, but it was actually all dudes. So you know, damn, it feels you know to me, but like that <laughs> wasn't what I was expecting. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, wow, I guess this really is for, like, everybody, huh? Like, yeah, yeah I get, like, all the, the hairy-chested guys and all. <laughs> yeah, they're not all hairy, but I mean, like, it, it was the 90s or whatever, but, you know. It was the 90s or whatever. <laughs> uh-huh. 
Yeah, but really, the bigger part of this uh, freaking episode was there's this girl, and she, like, jumps off the pier or whatever, and it's like, oh, she's going to kill herself or something. But, uh... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and she's actually the actress is in Twin Peaks as a big part of it, that show. So that was so interesting to see her in this. But, yeah, anyway, so a lifeguard saves her, and... You know, she tries to seduce him because that's why she jumped off the pier, apparently. So, but he's like, no, because I'm married and, you know, you're kind of young, aren't you? And so, yeah, but then, so she keeps on trying to pursue him and he's like, nah. But then eventually she tells his wife that, like, they, like, slept together or something. And she didn't know it was his wife or something. And then there's a whole dramatic party scene where, like, he's like, I didn't sleep with you, all right? I didn't. I didn't. But you gotta believe me, my wife. You gotta believe me. Yeah. But that's not just where this it, this ends, though, you know, because she actually escaped from, oh, no. She has bruises on her neck and whatever. She's like, oh, so she's been hurt at home. No. She escaped from a mental hospital. Yeah. So they, they take her home before they figure this out. <laughs> And uh, she tries to murder the wife, basically. Uh, uh, and th- yeah, that's a whole thing. <laughs> now, Luke. <laughs> Luke. Uh-huh. Correct me if I'm wrong. This doesn't sound very good. <laughs> I was more compelled than you would think by it. <laughs> <laughs> but no. So did you like it? God, I didn't hate it. But I mean, that's you know, not, I not, mean, not, I, it was, I guess I kind of liked it, but All I mean, right. I'm not going to continue watching it. Uh, but... Oh, so you're not going to continue watching Baywatch? <laughs> uh-huh. Where did you see this? This was on Hulu. So Baywatch is on Hulu? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So go watch it if you want. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, I just, I just want to say what it was, you know, and be like, yeah, you know, you should, everyone should know about this, I thought. So, you know, yeah. Also, David Hasselhoff's going through a divorce, so uh, that's fun stuff. So I wasn't expecting such what? heavy subject matter, but, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's a part where, like, a different lifeguard, uh, she is trying to save somebody, but then she chickens out, and, you know. So, and there's, like, a part where one guy is, like, you know, sometimes, like, I'm saving somebody, but they're really saving me, you know. Yeah. Also, some dude freaking dies. And so like they they failed to actually save somebody in in one part which was insane but uh yeah so yeah it was very entertaining so i'll give it that but, all right uh, I, I thought it'd be a drag for being such a long thing for a tv episode but you know what good job and you know sometimes the way it was filmed it was like i was there i could feel the waves and stuff you know so <laughs> you know i was i appreciate you it feel the waves man yeah man all right what, what's yeah, your man. lazy talky thing all right. my lazy talky um mm-hmm. i'm going to give a uh a, f- a farewell and an ode to um my favorite band oh that that broke up <laughs> uh they uh so my for those that don't know, which should be most of you, my favorite band of all time is a rap collective called Brockhampton. Mm-hmm. Um, I have loved them for a very long time. Not yeah. since like the very beginning, but definitely I've loved them for longer in their career than not. Mm-hmm. They, uh, they released primarily the Saturation Trilogy in 2017, Saturation 1, 2, and 3. They released Iridescence in 2018, 
They released Ginger in 2019, and then finally Roadrunner New Light New Machine in 2021. Mm -hmm. They had an insane hell of a run. There was a lot of drama. There was a lot of allegations. There was a whole bunch of stuff Mm. involving the group, but they created such beautiful music, Mm -hmm. like genuinely incredible songwriting, and uh, they've meant a lot to me over a long period of time and they've helped me go through some of the worst times in my life mm-hmm. and hearing them break up and all that having these six albums granted yeah i know they had the all-american trash mixtape i know i know <laughs> <laughs> i'm talking about the albums here <laughs> um that being said there's some good songs in that mixtape anyway um yeah the that these albums are now even more special to me now because the magic that they had, I'd say over all six of the albums, mm-hmm. um, will forever be kept pure in these in those six. The journey of the band is so apparent and obvious, and the way they concluded, even though inadvertent, was fitting. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I, I just wanted to give a small little tribute to um, my favorite group of boys. And they were a great band. You yeah. Know, they're, they just, you know, I don't think I could imagine the rest of my life without Boogie, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Boogie's a great song, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, and you listen to the whole discography because I, I like them so much and you were so curious, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. They, they have a lot of great songs, man, you know. so. And every so album many. is genuinely essential to their discography. Mm-hmm. There's no easy best one. They all have either insane diversities or a great consistency they all have different moods and all mm. these different things they like you can't put any of them in a box they're in terms of the yeah. way that each of them perform the way that they all write they yeah, all are such personality absolutely yeah. like you know when it's a merlin verse or a matt champion verse you can you can hear bare faces singing mm-hmm. you can you, you can hear kevin abstracts really lovelorn lyrics you can you can feel Job as pain or is like insane manic energy. Mm-hmm. There's like everyone there and, or, or like Dom's poetry. There's all, all of them, all of them have such a, a beautiful aspect to them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you're, uh, you're a good rapper. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're, they're a beautiful part of my life and I'm sad to see them go, but if their hearts weren't in it, if they couldn't bear to keep going, then, I understand, and I'm glad that they made that decision rather than stay together, and it put them through pain, and either worse music or just generally their lives would be worse because of it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, 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 I'm excited to see all their solo stuff because they all mentioned that they all have solo stuff in the works. Kevin Abstract was already has already made two solo records. Right. So, yeah. Well, at least two prominent ones. Arizona Baby's great, and so is um, American Boyfriend. So, mm-hmm. definitely... um. If you haven't heard of Brockhampton and you like a rap or alternative rap, give it a shot. It's mm-hmm. an excellent hip hop, hip hop uh, group. So it's my favorite yeah. band of all time. It's some of my favorite music ever made. I'm not gonna say it. it'll mean the same amount to you as it does to me, because a lot of a lot of those songs are like when I heard them, the time of my life, and all that. We all have those things. Of so, course. So yeah, um, Brockhampton was the, was a lot of that for me, and hearing them break up. It, it saddened me, but it also was kind of a long time coming, and I'm just... I hope they're doing okay. 
Mm-hmm. I, I hope so too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all I got. All right. Yeah. So, uh, thank you for listening to the show. Um, yeah. We have a bunch of stuff in the description, like uh, mine and Luke's letterboxed and uh, Gmail. You can you can ask us questions or whatever you want. Just tell us how much we suck. Do it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I would love to receive a hate mail. Are you kidding me? But don't do it fake. Don't do it fake. We'd be able to tell. Yeah, we're not idiots. <laughs> yeah, we're not. We're not idiots like you. Yeah, <laughs> podcast listener. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. But anyway, so you have all that in the description. But the main, the hot tamale here, mm-hmm. the announcement of what we're doing next week. Yeah. Luke, what are we doing? What are we doing next what are, week? No, no. I, I, did, I picked Avatar because I thought it would be a yeah. good discussion. What do, you, what do you? What do you? What do you? What do you feel? I'm feeling Rocky three. Rocky right. three. All right. Yeah. So that means you're doing you're doing the research. Yep. All right. Uh, this is on HBO Max and the uh, you know renting the usual places. Alrighty. So, so um, make sure to catch our Rocky and Rocky two podcasts, which are yeah. also available on HBO Max. If you haven't seen those yet. Um, yeah, give it a shot. Make sure to watch Rocky three in between if you haven't seen it already. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll catch you guys next week. Be good people. Yeah. Be good to one another. Goodbye. Yeah. Box you next time.